0: Greetings, I'm John Haspel. Matt Branham and I founded Cross River Meditation Center in 2012. The following is a Dhamma class recording from our center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. Please support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. So tonight we're going to start a seven, potentially 10 or 12 class review, class review of um, right view and understanding five clinging aggregates. Another way of saying that is right view is understanding five clinging aggregates. Another way of saying that is right view is understanding five aggregates. And as you'll see here in this very short sutta, The Buddha does make a distinction between the five aggregates and the five clinging aggregates. Um, In that way, this looking at the five clinging aggregates is similar to looking at uh, what we learned in the Datu Vibhanga Sutta a few weeks ago uh, about the six property person. And that that's what uh, the six properties, earth, wind, fire, water, uh, space, and the consciousness property are what constitutes every human being and it's all that constitutes every human being. In other words, we can't be more than that, but that is enough. We can achieve things, we can acquire things, we can cling ourselves to other ideologies or ideas, uh, but we can't change the fact that we're a six property person. And in the same way, every human being, has these five characteristics. Uh, The five aggregates are form, feeling, perceptions, fabrications, or lack thereof, and consciousness. And uh, lacking understanding of four noble truths, that consciousness is simply ongoing thinking rooted in ignorance of four noble truths that cause us to cling these um, distinct and disparate aggregates together and call that me. So, when the Buddha describes dukkha, he describes dukkha um, in consistent ways of uh, birth is dukkha or stress and suffering, which means simply as a constant consequence of having a human life, there's going to be stress and suffering, and that alone, if we can understand how profound that statement is, excuse me, I like to today if we can understand how profound that statement is, we understand what it means to be a human being, uh, but we don't. And so we start taking things personally. We take uh, the things that we don't have personally, and we take the things that we have but don't want personally. And that's most of our life. And so when we're in that constant struggle, there's always stress. There's always dukkha. But understanding that this form, any feeling, the perception that is fu- that is formed by the way I'm looking at feeling in relation to form, fabrications or mental constructs and consciousness. Those five aggregates are what constitute the um, mental, emotional part of a human being, much like the sixth property person describes the, the more physical characteristics of that. So in our minds, though, we start taking things personally, and I start attaching myself to form or the idea that this form should be somehow different or better, that this form is inadequate. I'm too short and too slow-footed to play center field for the Yankees, or anything else that we might we, we, we might encounter in our life. The same thing with the feeling. I don't like the way you make me feel. That The whole world is running on that today, right? You made me feel bad, so something's something bad's going to happen to you. But it's just a feeling that I'm taking personally, isn't it? And the same thing with perception. If I'm taking, um, if because my mind is rooted in ignorance of four noble truths, and I'm taking offense at a simple feeling that arises and passes away, now that's going to start forming my perception of myself in the world. Is, is everybody following me? I think you can see that that's what you do. That's what we all do. And once I start forming perceptions about what I need and what I don't want, then, and I might start joining with other people who are like-minded. I'm against this. We're we're pro that. A lot of protests going on today. Now we've created a concretized or a fabrication, a mental fabrication, a concretized idea, an, an idea set in concrete. Um, intractable, doesn't change and, it, and because now I think that that's me when really it, all that it is is an idea rooted in ignorance but because I think it's me, now that's feeding my consciousness and so we cling these five things together when they're simply part of being a human being much like the sixth property person so that's not clear, hopefully it will be at the end of this, excuse me The Kanda Sutta. The Buddha was in Savati. He addressed those gathered. Friends, I will now teach you the five aggregates and the five clinging aggregates. Right? It's up to us whether we're going to cling these aggregates together or not. Then he says, listen carefully. Listen carefully. What are the five aggregates? Whatever form is seen as past, future or present, internal or external. So I'm going to stop there right in the middle of the sentence. What does this mean? Well, it means that my ideas about this form, this physical part of being a human being, yesterday wasn't good enough. I failed at that or I, was, I didn't win the race or whatever it might be. I didn't get the, I didn't get the, the, the person that I wanted to be interested in me interested because they didn't like my looks, perhaps. Or if I can just lift enough weights before tomorrow, then in the future, this form is going to be better. And I need to improve on this form all the time, because it's not good enough now. Or even in this present moment, I can do that. And I can also have it internalized, meaning I keep this, these ideas to myself, or I project it out into the world. And then it becomes my mask. that This is what I want the world to see me as, even though inside I know it's not really me. And so there's a tension that's built there. Um, obvious or subtle. So it could be something that we hope to hide from ourselves, this idea, or from others, this way we think about ourselves. Or it becomes obvious and we wear, there's a, a saying for that, we wear our emotions on our sleeve. We're always out there talking about how we're feeling and how we're thinking and what's going on. Obvious or subtle, common or sublime, near or far. This is called the form aggregate. All right, so we manipulate this form out of of its present quality, meaning that out of simply being a reference point to what's occurring, And now this form has to be something other than what it actually is. And so we create tremendous stress, tremendous tension in our lives. And sometimes that becomes so hard to deal with that we turn to other remedies, such as drugs or alcohol or sex or shopping or TikTok or whatever else it might be to distract ourselves away from the fact that I have a misunderstanding of self. That it's just a bad idea. The Buddha continues. Whatever feeling is seen as past, future, or present, internal or external. You made me mad yesterday. I'm gonna make you pay tomorrow. There's a feeling that created the whole loop, didn't it? Internal or external. I don't like I I think poorly about myself and it generates unpleasant feelings. Or I'm taking my cues about how I feel about myself from you, from the world around me. You made me feel bad. Well, that's impossible, isn't it? Nobody can make us feel any other way than the way we want to feel. And it's our choice. Again, the same um, characteristics. Obvious or subtle, common or sublime, near or far. This is called the feeling aggregate. So now you see how we start describing ourselves in a way that's either rooted in a fabrication or it's rooted in reality. But now we're talking about the the fabricated view, the, the view of ourselves that creates stress and suffering. Then the Buddha says, whatever perception is seen as past, future or present, internal or external, obvious or subtle, common or sublime, near or far, This is called the perception aggregate. The Buddha continues, whatever mental fabrications are seen as past, future or present, internal or external, obvious or subtle, common or sublime, near or far. This is called the fabrications aggregate. So these are this is normal. (laughs) Let's just let Slav come on screen. Good evening, Slav. There you are. Good to see you. Whatever mental fabrications are seen as past, future, or present, internal or external, obvious or subtle, common or sublime, near or far, this is called the fabrications aggregate. So again, you see the progression from simply a misperception of the form that now leads to feeding feelings that are exaggerating that first bad idea now leading to the to the way that I'm perceiving myself in relation to the world and now I start forming a fabrication or a concretized view that person doesn't love me and they never will and so I have to hate them Or this person made me feel a certain way or this group made me feel a certain way or these people didn't notice me in the way that I want to be noticed. Right. There's a whole, whole movement going on around that that we just this is how I want you to see me today, even though it's not me, but you have to. And if you don't, if you don't see me the way I want you to see me, even though it might be a complete that might be a complete fabrication, that's your fault because you made me feel bad again. And of course, nobody can make us feel any way, unless we're not in control of our minds, which is what we're learning. The Buddha continues, whatever consciousness. So now we're looking at consciousness not as some grand cosmic thing that we should um, aspire to or generate some kind of unity consciousness We're all one mind moving to some some grand, I don't know, conclusion. That always seemed a little strange to me anyway. No, consciousness is simply ongoing thinking. And if that thinking is rooted in ignorance of Four Noble Truths, then consciousness, this consciousness, is merely that. Ongoing thinking rooted in ignorance of Four Noble Truths. Whatever consciousness is seen as past, future, or present, internal or external, obvious or subtle, common or sublime, near or far. This is called the consciousness aggregate. So all these qualities that we might apply and all these ways we get lost in our thinking, past, present, future, common or sublime, internal, external, all of it is just that one thing, the form, the feeling, the perception, the fabrication or consciousness. All those other things are just the distraction that we get caught up in. The Buddha says, these are known as five clinging aggregates in that way. Excuse me. Then the Buddha says, now, whatever form is seen as past, future, or present, internal or external, obvious or subtle, common or sublime, near or far, becomes clingable and is sustained by ignorance of Four Noble Truths. It couldn't really be any simpler, could it? These five clinging aggregates, the ongoing personal experience of stress and suffering is sustained by ignorance of Four Noble Truths. So what is the remedy? It's gaining an understanding of Four Noble Truths, which in itself, the Four Noble Truths are the most utterly obvious characteristic of human life except we get so caught up in all this other way of looking at ourselves in relation to the world that we can't even see that it took this amazing thinker 2600 years ago to see it but once he saw it now we can see it the same way because he's teaching us just how he did it this is called the form clinging aggregate if it's sustained by ignorance, now this, this vehicle, right, the five aggregates are becoming clingable and are causing stress and suffering and tension in our lives. Everybody with me? Anybody have any questions? Then the Buddha says, likewise, whatever feeling, perception, fabrications, or consciousness, whatever, is seen as past, future, or present. So I'm either projecting my thoughts to the past or to the future, or I'm creating a fabrication in the present moment. But whatever is seen as past, future, or present, internal or external, obvious or subtle, I didn't know, common or sublime, near or far, becomes clingable and is sustained. By ignorance of four noble truths. And he concludes the sutta by saying these are called the five clinging aggregates. So if we want to resolve this and understand five clinging aggregates, we understand four noble truths. There is dukkha. As a consequence of having a human life, there is going to be stress and suffering. And I can contribute to that out of ignorance or not. And if I don't contribute to it because I'm no longer ignorant of four noble truths, well then I don't fall into the second noble truth, craving for and clinging to views ignorant of myself, views of myself ignorant of four noble truths. And I can also understand that all of this is impermanent. The third noble truth. If things weren't impermanent, I would just be stuck in that same mentality. But really, a human being couldn't be like that, could we? But we think we are. But everything is fluid, including these five clinging aggregates or these five aggregates. At times in a human life, that form is going to be on top of the world or seemingly so. And there's going to be times when that form is sick or it might be in a difficult situation uh, in relation to society or our community. But it's still just a form, isn't it? Until I need it to be different. And the same thing with my feelings. When my feelings are always out there. And and my feelings are driven by the external events of my life and the external people of my life. Now I'm stuck in that clinging feeling. I'm defining myself by my feelings. But a feeling just arises and passes away if I let it, if I remain a reference point. And so I learn how to how do I learn all this through the fourth noble truth? The eightfold path, right view, right, right, (laughs) right view, uh, right intention, right intention, um, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness and right meditation. We integrate that eightfold path to understand and disentangle these clinging aggregates. And we free them. We're really freeing ourselves. And so what was once a human being rooted in ignorance of four noble truths and experiencing life as these five clinging aggregates or five reactionary aggregates, now I'm just a form. And I experience feelings arising and passing away. I understand that. I don't take my cues about my own self-worth based on how I'm feeling or how you're feeling about me. It's just a feeling. And then nobody, nobody can make me feel anything other than how I want to feel or choose to feel, which is calm. It opens
1: you so much more possibilities.
0: Everything is everything becomes possible now. Thank you, David. Because you're
1: not surrounding yourself by that echo
0: chamber. Yeah. And I'm not limiting myself by saying, oh, if I do this and I fail, I'll feel awful. Again, projecting a, a feeling into the future and assuming that in the future I'm going to feel a certain way. Or if I meet a certain person, I'm going to feel a certain when that person might be completely different the next time you see him, rather than giving you a hard time. And so my perceptions about myself are now framed by the eightfold path. And so those perceptions are not feeding, are no longer feeding mental fabrications. And so now my consciousness is free from all of that clinging as well. And so again, my consciousness is calm. It's pure. It's a reference point to what's occurring. That's how a human being is supposed to live. Right? With a a consciousness that is clean and pure. That is supple. It's bright. It's inquisitive. It wants to know what's going on. And it's present. Moment by moment. Present moment by present moment. And we start putting those moments together. And life is completely different. Because now I'm just a five aggregate person. I'm not clinging to things to be different than they are. I'm not clinging to myself to be different than I could be or can be or should be. I'm a six property person characterized by five clinging aggregates. And that's today's teaching. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I hope I, I, I've made a subject that could seem pretty hard to grasp uh, much more understandable. I see Laura's shaking her head yes. Well, at first but, I was like, what? Right
2: view is five 5.8 aggregates? I was like, what
0: is he talking okay. about? Can I? anybody mind being on camera? No, no. Okay. Sorry to like
2: jump in. No, I, I, I forgot to move the camera. I really explain that through the Buddha's words, the sutta. Uh, very well thank you it's just yes we know that right view is understanding our contribution to stress you know on the context of four noble truths but a lot of that is t- so to my understanding from today's teaching is that it's fueled by the clinging the attachment but that's also fueled by i was going to ask you john to comment on the importance of what the Buddha says about wise associations Yeah. because of what you were saying. I mean, people do make us feel like absolute crap, you know, sometimes (laughs) and they're, that's just going to happen. But I guess the key is choosing wise associations, but also if you are in that situation with, you know, a really negative hurtful person, kind of what you were saying was really hit me was, um, when you were talking about self-worth, yes, so someone can make us feel very badly at times, but we don't have to let that define our self-worth, you know, even though it, because that's like an yes. second arrow. That's what yeah. I, you know, tend to take it too far. Oh, I took this person's comment. It was really hurtful, but I took it so personally. And now I'm defining my self-worth based on what they're saying then rather than just, you know, yeah. Stop it there.
0: Yeah, and and thank you for bringing up wise associations. So wise, we 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 associate with other people, right. but we also associate with ideas, internal and external.
3: Right. So
0: wise yeah. associations are not are not people. associating with people or, or ideologies that cause stress and suffering that mm-hmm. that continue eye making. So and and also, if if our, our life is is determined by our associations, aren't they? And so, if our associate, when I was when I was a drinker, I associated with a lot of drunks because that's what you do when you're a drinker. You know, you don't you don't want to associate with a lot of sober people when you're a drunk. It's kind of a um, uh, it might not be relevant to that many people, but we do that with all kinds of groups, friends, politics, uh, uh, countries, whatever our identity is. That's where we're going to form our associations. So we better make wise associations. And if we do make wise associations, both with the ideas that I attach myself to or don't. And with the people, you know, again, one of the reasons why this what we do works so well is because we don't associate this with anything else. And right from the beginning, in my third time I ever taught a class, that's what I decided that I was going to do. I was I felt like I was only. If I was going to teach, the only thing I knew to teach was a sutta from the Buddha rather than a, an idea or a concept mm-hmm. of how I wanted the world to be, which is what most of modern Buddhism, it has nothing to do with what the Buddha taught. It's, it's based on associations and ideologies. Mm-hmm. Freeing myself of that and just saying, okay, I'm just going to teach what, what the Buddha taught because that's all that I know. I don't know anything else. So I, I'm, it's wrong for me to try and teach it. And that's what I've been doing and we've been doing for 12 years now, 13 years. And it works pretty well Mm -hmm. because we don't associate it with other with other things. And the same thing with our lives, too. As we disassociate ourselves from unwise associations, our lives tend to get calmer and peaceful on their own. Again, that's the point of the Dhamma.
1: Also, John, wise associations associate with anyone if you face it going into any idea or relationship based on foreign truths.
0: That's right. And th- again, thank you, David. And so if your mind isn't isn't stuck in a clingable phase, meaning rooted in ignorance of foreign noble truth, you won't cling to ideologies just to be a part of the group, so, so or you well. won't cling to an idea just because somebody you might admire or somebody who you want to be like talks that way or thinks that way.
1: It also allows more at some point as you develop your, your, your practice mm-hmm. that that person that made you feel horrible, mm-hmm. you can associate with that person because you've developed your mindfulness to such a point where like you go off and bring up, you don't have hatred for uh, Adolf Hitler. You won't have hatred yeah. for a person that in the past triggered those things because you're not taking it personal. Yeah. So therefore, wise associations can only be driven by the the practice yeah. of affordable truths. Yeah. So yeah. to me it again, it's like a freeing thing that I am not gonna be mass, be be driven by these associations that I have to run away from them because that's aversion.
0: Yep, create an aversion in any
1: situation calmly. At some point,
0: yeah. Again, simply being a reference point. So you mind the, the um, associations that proved to be uh, difficult and stressful in the past.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Now are simply what's going on in this moment, and because you're not identifying. See clinging to what's occurring, creating an identity over the group mm-hmm. or the person. Again, you can be at peace with them, and it doesn't mean you, it doesn't mean you agree or disagree with anything that's going on. You don't have to anymore. You, you freed thing. yourself from that argument, mm-hmm. that it's internal very
2: tricky, argument. Though, sometimes you know the difference between like, like, what David was saying. Am I in a state of aversion and fear of? This confrontation, or am I in a state of just at peace? But it's time to let go sure. of this, you know, and just yeah. move on. But it's like it's yeah, it's it's interesting how you know there's that fine line between all of these things. Yeah, yeah.
4: to run away from, from a situation like that because it is uh, because it, it triggers you um, that only helps for a certain amount of time. Right. There's going to be, if you can be in the situation and decide, OK, this is not working for me anymore, um, there is no need for me to be here anymore, right. hmm. then.
1: That's um, eyes wide open. <laughs> so, yeah. your
4: eyes wide open. Mm-hmm. Versus like this
1: blind like, rage or <laughs> right. disappointment or
4: immersion. Or, or fear. Yeah.
1: You can, it yes. doesn't mean
0: yeah, yeah it allows you to make those decisions with some clarity. Right. clarity. Yeah, and and whether you whether it it um, frees you from needing another person to be different, or a situation to be different, or yourself to be different, mm-hmm. then you then you just. A reference point to what's occurring. Your 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 life is, and our lives become more vibrant simply because there's no more resistance to anyone or anything. Why should there be? But again, it doesn't mean that that. I remember, that I think it was the first or second retreat I was talking about this in a little bit different way the not self characteristic. But it was like, okay, what do you do if you're standing on a train track and a train's coming at you? Meaning. Well, if I'm just this five property person and I'm not clinging to the form, why would I care if a train hit me? But now you're now you're being I mean, really, you're being self destructive. That's not and yeah. so what do you do when a train's coming at you? You take two two steps to the right. Yeah. That's all. And don't take it personal. <laughs> but we you know, it's, it's a train is just a train. That's an
2: extreme. Don't example take it
5: personal as a clouds to you
0: yeah, take two steps to the right. But we can do that at any point. Yeah. At any point in our lives, we can take two steps to the right. For the left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be careful now to get in politics to the right or to the left.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, let me see what Raquel has to say tonight. Yeah. Hello, Raquel. You? <laughs> Hi,
3: everyone. Thank you for teaching. That's, that's an interesting one. Um, I think uh, I understand what Laura is saying, because like yesterday, a life situation. I have a large family in now, three sisters. And we engage into uh, conversations like judging other family members for behavior that we do. <laughs> And yesterday I was driving all the way to Kern and listening to calming and I'm listening. And engaging and I know that I'm not supposed to do that. And I agreeing with them and say and, and say, yeah, the person is not doing the right thing. But that is the truth. But that is also our interpretation. And I was and after the conversation was over, I was like, oh, why did I do it? Why did I didn't do it differently? <laughs> you know, instead of being so judgmental you know, of the other person. And I was going to meet that other person right after, but, but at least my reaction when I met that other person. And they are telling me, you should do this, you should tell the person this and that. I said, yeah. <laughs> when I got there, I just... <laughs> look at the person and gave that person a hug and <laughs> a smile and things. I, But I, I had that need to say, look, what you're doing is not right, but I didn't use it to that, but I, I chose to do it a bit different. But it's hard, like mm-hmm. I was saying. it's hard not to take yourself out of the situation, life situation, yeah. and, and do and apply the practice.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, and applying the practice is not taking it personally in that moment. And if you don't, the best thing to do is you take yourself behind the shed and beat the hell out of yourself.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, again, it's, I it made the point, didn't I? It's so silly to do that, but yet we do it. And again, I mean, even if you act in the most inappropriate way, you scream and holler and curse and everything else, take yourself out. You know, you have to be gentle with yourself. It's the only way you're going to get through that. And the same thing with the Dhamma. When we don't, when we're integrating the Eightfold Path and we fall off the path at times, we brush ourselves off and we very gently step back on the path. We come Mm -hmm. to class, we meditate again. You know, it's such a gentle practice in that way, but it has to be, isn't it? Because an awakened, fully mature human being is an extremely gentle, conflict-free human being, as evidenced by Siddhartha Gautama. And now all of us in class here and in our sangha, we're all becoming like that, (laughs) except Cody.
5: (laughs) Right, Cody? You shouldn't laugh because I got you. So gentle. (laughs) <laughs> um, thank you for the teaching, John. Um, I have to be careful. I think in the in the past, I have gotten carried away with the notion, not that um, nobody can make me feel hurt or upset or happy or whatever. Not that you can't make me feel any particular way because that's, you know, I can get up on my high horse about my emotional maturity. And, um, and that's a very dangerous place for me to be personally because then it's very easy for me to turn around and say to you, how dare you <laughs> say that I made you feel any kind of way. Those are your feelings. I didn't do that. You did um, yes. and I, and I mean, I, I think I've said, you know, I don't, I'm probably not those exact words, but, um, but I have to be more, I have to care more than that about other people's about my effect on other people. Yeah. Um, so it's dangerous for me to say. That nobody can make me feel anyway. They are,
0: even while you're saying that, aren't they? And I have feelings. Yeah, you know? and you're um, averse to those feelings that you think you need to be out of control, and it goes around and around and around, doesn't
5: yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, th- I, I, I think that. Being rooted in the ignorance of four noble truths, it's, like it's it's hard to to stay aware of that. But what it means to me is that if there's there's four people in a room, right, and I'm in that room, it's the same room. Like if I'm looking at yeah. it from the perspective of like this is just the scene that I'm in, yep. being a reference point to what's occurring,
0: yeah,
5: or I can be you know, inside of yeah. myself with my identity and my personality and my... Yeah, which
0: is the identity you know. is you can't make me feel a certain way. Right,
5: right. And having a, you know, having a chip on your shoulder about yeah. it or, or having, you know, taking personally what other people are saying. But, yeah. Uh, but...
0: Um, yeah, I just but, want to say that you have, that's the right perception. You see
5: it mm-hmm. clearly.
4: Yeah, I think it, but the difference between those two is the slight and the Mm. By the way, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a process
5: mm-hmm. um,
4: and, and you need to be uh, engaged in the process and because <sighs> it's easy. To, it's just so easy to, to want this to be this way or that way. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was that way. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> uh, five minutes from now, no, when dinner bell goes, you know. There, I'm, I'm, I'm
0: there you go, anymore. projecting yeah. into the future. Yeah. I'll be better tomorrow. You'll never get there.
5: But, yeah. It, it, but there is, it, there, yes, I couldn't agree more. Um, but in, in any given moment, you are you aren't. Yep. Yes. Right. Uh, yes. No.
4: Well, you're in... you're in more or lesser degree. I don't think it's like you're you're not totally identified or or disidentified. Okay. That's not the case. Sorry.
5: No, I can uh, accept that. Yeah. I I hadn't, I hadn't even really thought about it. Yeah. In terms, in those terms. Because
4: again, if you if you you split it in half, <coughs> if you make that black and white distinction. Uh, you're making it impossible for yourself to mm. to even get out of that distinction. Mm-hmm. It's it's it, it's it's kind of a trap.
0: Mm. Yes, but if if you recognize that there's conflict in your mind, mm-hmm. or if you don't, if you're not, if you can't quite recognize it in your mind, but you recognize that there's conflict in your life, maybe with one of those f- four people in the room. Now you're stuck in eye making. But again, what do you do? You just you, uh, you just described it. You recognize and you practice wise restraint. Mm-hmm. That's what that means. In this moment, I recognize that I'm going too far. I'm stuck in eye making and I practice wise restraint. The eightfold path is a limiting path. It stops us from, if we're if we've integrated the eightfold path. The eightfold path will limit us from going too far. And if we go too far, we'll recognize it because we have this path. We'll know when, we were, when we're off the path. And we'll, stay, we'll, we'll either stay on it or we'll come back to it. How do we come back to it? Back on the path.
4: And that restraint may keep you, keep that thing, that first thing from coming out of your mouth. Yeah, and I, and that's good. Mm-hmm. It may not keep the second thing,
5: <laughs>
4: and that's fine too. You know, then we take another breath.
5: Yeah, I I, I do feel I do, I'm, and I I'm gonna think about what you said about mm-hmm. the scale and the spectrum. Um, but I do think that when when there's a way to to be not ignorant of the four noble truths Mm -hmm. and and to practice acceptance and to be open and receptive Mm -hmm. to what's occurring um and that the feeling of that is is very different than the feeling of Mm -hmm you know this guy is doesn't know what he's talking about and i should correct him and you know he's being a jerk and he made that lady upset and you know all that um and this so the the if i'm sitting there and i'm and i'm telling myself that i'm practicing wise restraint yeah because i'm (laughs) sitting <laughs> there, yeah, yeah, not yeah. saying yeah. It's not that You're I'm not. not. You're end. not. You've already yeah. lost your mind. Right.
0: But at that point, all you can do is the best you can do, which Breath. is recognize mm-hmm. that's, right? so that's not there's no, <laughs> there, <yeah>? <laughs> <laughs> there's no wisdom there. There's no wisdom there because there's no understanding of yourself as a human being. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I lost it in this moment. I said, F you. Mm-hmm. All right, go back behind the woodshed, beat the hell out. No. No. <laughs> <laughs>
5: it's it's
0: <laughs> it's well it's at that moment the only way out is to be gentle with yourself because if you don't if you yeah. judge yourself now now you're going against your own view that you don't allow oh, yeah. yourself to get uh, it's, it's,
5: it's, you it's, know it's, it's so constant yep yeah. Yeah.
0: and the the dhamma teaches us how not to do it but first we have to go through this this recognition process. you could almost call it a period of undoing, mm-hmm. right in the course in miracles it talks about the first I think it's in the first practice it talks about we this is a, this will be a period of undoing for you, mm-hmm. not that we're practicing the course in miracles, but that's what we're doing. you know we're undoing our own clogged up thinking, but in order to do that, we have to recognize it. You know, and we have to be willing. That's the f- true teaching on karma, too. By the way, you know what's my karma? You want to know what your karma is? Take a look in the mirror. Look, or, look at your associations. Look at who's pissing you off today. That's your karma. Mm-hmm. And we can free ourselves of karma by not learning not to take anything personally. Ultimately, what I'm learning and who I'm learning to not take personally is you, Colonel. No. <laughs> It's me, right? I got to stop taking myself personally. That's what we're learning mm-hmm. because that's the problem. But, but if I am and I don't want to admit it, I'm going to blame you again for how I feel.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: But no human being can make another human being feel any other way than how that human being wants to feel. So I can say something as outrageous as Adolf Hitler was right. He was in his, the way that he thought in his mind, he was doing exactly what he thought he should do. And look what a human mind can do when it's stuck in that kind of ideology and that kind of view. And not that we're going to become Hitler's if we don't, but we have this human capability to hate. Another word, a stronger word for aversion, right? So I have aversion towards this person because they've already acted in a certain way. And I'm using that to become predictive of their future behavior. Well, I'm not allowing that person to change anyway, am I? And so how do I allow that other person to change? I take them behind the woodshed. I I change my mind about that person. That's the only thing I can change. And Laura was gracious enough to invite me over to her family's house for Thanksgiving. And I, honestly, I'd rather be there than where I'm going. But I decided to go. I have there's three brothers left in the house. Two sisters are passed. My parents are passed, and I'm going there knowing that it's not going to be a lot of fun. They're, they they have not changed since we were children. They still drink and drug like we were when we were 15 and 18 and 20 years old. And but I'm going. I'm going because my mother's still on my shoulder saying, you better go here. Yeah. <laughs> no, be, because it. Be, it's well, not even going to say it's know. the right thing to do. It's what I'm going to do. And no matter what's going on there, hopefully I won't take it personally, which drives them crazy, by the way. But I'm not <laughs> doing it for that reason. It does because they can't push my buttons anymore. But you know that I mean, I guess, I guess I'm taking so like that Cheshire cat. i taking some little, really a little, a little bit of enjoyment out of it now. Really Yeah. <laughs> That's
5: impressive.
0: Well, again, why well, take it personally? I, you know, I wish, and each one of them over the, you know, the past sixty-eight years. I've talked to them and, you know, see if there's any kind of opening where they might, but they don't want to change. So what? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not up to me. I can be, a, I can be an example, and, I, and that's what I hope I am to them. But that's all. You know, that's all we can ever do for the people that we love and the people that we care about and those that really piss us off. Is to just be a human being that's free of conflict. Right. And again, we're not saving the world, but it certainly changes our own environment, doesn't it? When we can start out, and I bet you recognize that, don't you? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, to think about it, but it's true,
5: isn't it? It wouldn't have been true if I didn't think about
0: it. It, it, It's very subtle at times, but it's just like that, Cody. and you're getting it. All right. I didn't forget the guy, people online. I didn't forget Rom and David, but let what I didn't hear what you said. Wait a minute. Here's Laura. No, oh, I already talked. I want to hear about the people online and their Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go to who uh Jane, what's your Thanksgiving look like? <laughs> Laura wants to know. But please, Jane, don't take that personally. <laughs>
6: Laura's going to be pretty quiet, which is okay. <laughs>
0: yeah,
5: I like it.
6: Um, thank you, John, for the teaching. It was very clear. I mean, very clear. Um, but but um, David started talking about uh, aversion or avoiding. We were talking about associations. Um, I was really a, had aversion to a lot of people and things because I knew that I thought that was causing me stress. So my yep. world became very small because, you know, it was all those outside things that were causing my stress and realizing now that it was, I was the one causing my stress. I mean, I don't, I don't avoid situations and people. And, you know, I know I, it, it sounds silly maybe, but my practice is like my superpower. You know, it's like, I, I'm not afraid <laughs> to go into any situation. I, I can trust my practice so it's a good feeling.
0: Superwoman.
6: <laughs> so thank you.
0: <clears throat> thank you, Jane. Have a nice holiday. Oh, my smiling friend, friend from Ohio, meaning Slav. Brian's got a scowl on us and I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see you, Slav. Thank you.
2: Same. Uh, first things. Uh... Laura, my Thanksgiving is going to be excellent because (laughs) uh, it's my favorite holiday. I came to the United States on Thanksgiving.
0: Oh, wow. Well, happy anniversary.
2: (laughs) Yes, thank you. And um, happy holidays, everybody. Uh, John, I have a question for you. When we mention five scandals and we're talking about form and feelings, feelings we reference... uh, Pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, or uh, everything kind of like feeling, emotional, like
0: yeah. You're so so. We characterize our our feelings just as you describe it. A feeling is either pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. That neutral really catch, catches us. If we don't have control of our minds either, we can't stand that neutral feeling. Nothing's going on, so I got to go do something. I might even go try to find an argument just to change that that ambiguous, <laughs> that bored feeling. But what? <laughs> that's no way to talk to me. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> I know. That's venerable, sir. <laughs> And so we're we're learning, you're learning, Slav, that to not let your feelings describe you or define you, because they don't, unless we let them, right? And that's up to us. It might not seem so at first, but we first, we got to gain, I mean, that's jhana meditation. We have to have a measure of concentration before we can even get into the game, you know, and, and stop ourselves from... Uh, use the eightfold path as a limiting path rather than no path at all and continue a life that is just grasping after and clinging to, which is how I, I all of us probably lived our lives before we came here in one way or another, whether it was ideas or substances or whatever it might be. You know, the 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 big money makers in the world did it mostly by recognizing what distracts people the most and making money off it, whatever it is, you know, and this goes back through all time, not just today. You yeah. know, So you're learning the difference and, and Cody is too, and we all are that we're learning the difference between acceptance and approval. And it, it has to do with both external and internal. I, I accept myself, but if I start calling into the, into the, um, conflicted mind state, if I have to approve of myself, always judging myself against some kind of um, fabricated mark, I'm always going to be in conflict because that's always going to change. But if I learn what a six property person is and what five aggregates are, now I'm just, I can beat rest in acceptance. We learn the difference between acceptance and approval. We don't approve anything and we accept everything. Why? Because it's occurring. It's a form of mental illness to have something occur and want it to be different. Because it can't be. It's occurring. It doesn't mean that the future might be different. But if we want the future to be different, if we want, if we want our relationship with our feelings to be different, if we want to get to the point where our feelings don't control us, here's the way to do that the limiting factors of the eightfold path. So you said about five words, and I said about 300 as usual, but (laughs) thank you, Slav. It's always good to see you, and always good to see that smile. We need to see that smiling face more.
2: I will try. Thank you.
0: Great. Happy Thanksgiving, Slav. You too. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thank you. How about that other smiling guy out in Ohio?
5: We're going to start calling that the Haspel ratio. (laughs) <laughs> five to three hundred if I could do math I would I would factor that but I can't so uh, anyway um, uh, Laura lots of pie for me that's all I care about uh, just eating pie I don't care about the rest of it so um, I, I was just thinking about this in, in the context of phenomena and all of the aggregates are all impersonal impermanent phenomena arising and passing away Yep. and it's a a direct experience of the three marks of existence. Yep. It's the it's the stress. It's the impermanence and it's the taking it personally which is on its own, right? You can see all of that in those those bundles or heaps. So thank you.
0: Thank you Brian. And yeah, I, I should since Brian just mentioned it, kanda or skanda um, literally means heap sometimes it's also a reference to the stump of a tree. And so the Buddha would use it in the, referencing the stump of a Palmyra tree. It's, it's solid. It's hard to, it's hard to, to degrade. <coughs> and the same thing with a heap. So these five clinging aggregates are a heap. It's, it's, all, it's all the things that we can do piled up on top of each other that we got to carry around in the world or we could just let it go and we're no longer a heap. So let's not be a heap anymore. Right, Rob?
4: Right. Great teaching. and A great conversation, as always. Yeah. And
0: I'm grateful to have been part of it. Thank you all. Yeah. I think we all realize how fortunate we are to have you around here. Not that we're going to, not that I take you personally, Rob, but you. You used to take me personally. <laughs> <laughs>
4: we don't do that anymore.
0: Hello, David. So,
1: think about what Brian described. Brian described insight to three marks. Yeah. And right view is understanding that these are just aggregates. Yeah. And that's right view. That's reality. It's not taking it personal. Yeah. And that's what this practice is all about is being in any situation in any moment and not taking it personal and calmly be able to be in any situation.
4: Yeah.
1: And that's the insight. And then as you develop it, it becomes wise restraint. If things fall away that normally wouldn't fall away in the past, and mm-hmm. it's a gentle thing. It's not this a thing you catch. It's, it's a gradual thing.
5: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It's just
0: like that, <coughs> and that. <coughs> excuse me. Those three marks of existence and insight into those three marks impermanence the not-self-characteristic and diluted thinking, is the uh, reviewer going to start off the new year with, beginning January 6th. It will be our 32 class, I believe, uh, Vipassana review. Vipassana means insight. It has the, the insight that we're talking about has nothing to do with the modern insight movement, not that there's anything wrong with that, but as the Buddha taught insight into these three marks. And you'll see how impermanence the not self-characteristic are reflected in the aggregates either being clung or not depending on how our understanding is so we're learning a lot we're having a lot of fun um does anybody else have anything else to add before we
3: John i'm sorry is there?
0: no sadika went off screen
3: I
5: yeah.
0: Who knows? It might be getting yeah, late. For... I,
3: I just have one question. So sure. If you're in a situation, like if you, if you see something that's not right, so you should accept that and, or, or gentle.
0: Well, I, I, yeah, I'll give you an example. I mentioned my brother, so I'll, I'll keep going down there. Every one of them. I quit drinking when I was 26 years old. And if I didn't, you wouldn't see me today. I, I, I wouldn't have lasted another year or two. I'm still the black sheep in the family, but they never stop. They're still, they're still drunks and drug addicts, at, and they're all in their 60s. Um, and I made an attempt to reach each and every one of them. But that's as far as I could go. And for a, years after that, I, I, you know, I was angry about it. And my parents were still alive. And I said, you know, they're, they're, this one's that way. and That one's it. And then I learned to accept it. Because what I learned is I don't have to approve of their behavior or anybody else's. I accept it. It doesn't mean that I approve of it, does it? I had to separate those two things out. But I accept it because it's what's occurring. And also it's how they choose to live their life. It's not up to me. And the same thing with the other, the other things we encounter in life. We can be that reference point for other people. We can, we can impart a certain amount of strength to other people if they want it. But that's as far as we can go. And again, our behavior is framed by the Eightfold Path as well. And so right speech, right action, and right livelihood especially the first two, but sometimes the last. We'll start informing those relationships. The more we can hold that in mind. We'll engage in right speech. So if I go to my brothers, which, whatever one I'm going to, um, and my speech is, you know, you're such a, whatever you are because you're still drinking and you're no good and you're no good. I'm in the same boat as they are. Or I can just accept it who they are is who they are. And I do. You know, I, it saddens me, my my family, my brothers, but it doesn't mean that I need them to be different. I accept them how they are. And so in any situation, when we can do that, because it's what a fully mature human being would do, but it doesn't mean that we offer that we don't offer help when there's something we can actually do. But again. That's from from integrating the Eightfold Path. I know when to act. I know when it's right for me to offer something or say, can I help you? I mean, that's, you know, those are the, can I help you? Four words, right? Those are the, <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting that's old. Sure. Can I help you? Four words. Those are Those are the most powerful four words, or is it three or five? Um, that we can offer, but they're, they're useless unless I can actually be helpful to someone, you know, and I mean, I, that, that was a hard lesson for me to learn, too, because, you know, there was a contrary to how I hold myself now, there was a time when I thought I knew everything. And I wanted you to know it, too, because I didn't know everything. I mean, I really did at one point in my life. I knew, I, mean, I knew everything because I thought I did. Now I don't know nothing. And I'm much happier. I'm just a reference point to what's occurring, to my brothers, to, to my Sangha, to what's going on in the world. The Buddha awakened. He says, I looked out on the world. And the world was aflame. A flame with what? A flame with the fires of passion. I look out on the world and I see it the same way. The Buddha didn't get off his cushion and say, I gotta put those flames out. But he would teach others how to do it themselves if they wanted to. But he knew that not many people would. He knew that there would be just those with the speck of dust in their eyes. We know it too. So we can change our lives by changing our minds, changing the way we think about ourselves in relation to others. But we may not have any change on the people we want to the most. But it's not our job. It's our job to be awake and fully mature human beings. And then we're in a position to really be helpful. You know, you've heard me say it before. Every human being, except those that are truly psychotic and true psychopathy is extremely rare. Out of the nine billion people there are in the world, I bet you there's not 100,000 true psychopaths. But there's a lot of crazy people in the world. But even those crazy people feel compassion for others. Again, unless you're a true psychopath, you can't feel that. That's the disease. You can't even blame them for that, can you? But we can understand that. And we cannot, if we cannot allow ourselves to contribute to that anymore. But that's not the point. The point is that we end conflict in our mind so that at the end of the day, as, as Jen says, we practice only for calm. So in the situation you were talking about, Raquel, again, five words to 300. You're able to not feed the flames anymore because you don't engage in it. And That's what the Buddha meant. The world was a flame. A flame with what? The fire is a passion. But do I need to add my own passion? You need to be a certain way. You need to change. You need to grow up. You need to do this. You need to do that. What good is it? it doesn't mean Especially if I can't do it for myself.
1: It doesn't mean you don't have serious, important
0: conversations. Mm-hmm.
1: And that you become this like, passive, silent, afraid to engage. It just means that you have this like framework and this, this restraint that is based on this practice. So you can't have that conversation, but it doesn't devolve into something that is not useful. Wrong speech, wrong action. Yeah. So it, again, it gives you superpower. You yeah, going in any situation, and that's the you know that's the
0: beauty of just on a practical basis. Yeah, you know you're good to go. It, it when when I finally realize that I had integrated the Eightfold path I, I felt rather powerful in a in um in a realistic sense because I knew that if I as long as I stayed on that that path I would no longer cause harm to anybody else and I would and I would no longer cause harm to myself imagine that imagine that and that's what the Eightfold path is all about It's a limiting path. It limits me from going too far and creating conflict in the world and all around me. My brothers still think I'm the black sheep of the family. But their memory of that is when I was 26 and younger. And I was out of control. I made a lot of people upset. And even after it took me years afterwards to stop doing that as well. And we're learning that. So did I answer your question? (laughs) Thank you, Raquel. Anybody else have any questions or comments before we go? We'll eat turkey. (laughs) (laughs) Right now. Poor turkeys. We'll finish with meta as we always do. Get there. So, again, take a moment to become mindful of your in-breath and your out-breath. And let that mindfulness of your in breath and your out breath unite your mind and your body. And these are the Buddhist words on metta from the Karaniya Metta Sutta, describing the qualities of an awakened, fully mature human being. This is what is done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. They are able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. They remain unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. They are peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. They do not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. They are always mindful that all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. They are always mindful to not deceive another or despise any being in any state. They abandon anger and ill will with ease, never wishing harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child her only child, so with a boundless heart, the wise disciple cherishes all living beings. They radiate kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, they maintain refined mindfulness. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense-desires, and having completed the path, does not give birth to another moment rooted in ignorance of four noble truths. Thank you all for a really wonderful class. tonight. Thank you, John. Happy
6: holidays. Um, Happy holidays. (laughs)
0: Happy uh, (laughs) holidays, everybody. See you all soon. Thank you for listening. If you find benefit here and to learn more about the Buddha's Dhamma, please support the continuing restoration and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com.